Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much, Lord, for this Sabbath day. Thank you for how you have led us through another week. And I want to thank you so much, Lord, for giving us this opportunity where we can come together. We can open your scriptures. We can study your word. Most of all, we can truly hear your voice. Lord, I want to pray at this time that you would please speak through me. Pray that you would use um, my words and, and the message that I'll be sharing. May it be a blessing. May it truly touch our hearts this morning. And I pray for each person here that you would please send the Holy Spirit to guide each one into all truth. And I pray, Lord, that you would truly convict us. You would truly make this message relevant to our hearts. And I pray that you would help us to see the decisions that you want us to make for you. And so, Lord, we just want to surrender our time into your hands. We want to surrender our hearts and our minds into your hands at this time as well. Thank you so much for hearing and for answering our prayers. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are continuing our series on the seven churches of Revelation. And today, we are looking at the last church. We have studied six churches and today we have come to the very end. We are looking at the seventh church. And this is probably the church that we are most familiar with. You know, it's the church that we always hear about, we, we always study about. Um, this is the church of Laodicea. Okay, it's the church of Laodicea. So let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 3 as we look at this church. Revelation chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. The Bible says this, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These, th these things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So here we see the church of Laodicea. Now the name Laodicea, it means a people judged. Okay, many times when we think of Laodicea, what comes to our mind first is lukewarm. But Laodicea doesn't mean lukewarm, it means a people judged, okay? And this name fits very well with the time period of the church. Now this church, the, the church of Laodicea, existed around the time 1844, and it will extend until the second coming, okay? So we are now, okay, we are the church of Laodicea. Now ever since October 18, 22nd, 1844, you know, we have been in judgment, right? We saw that ever since 1844, the investigative judgment began. And, and judgment will, will continue until Jesus comes. So really, we are the people that are being judged. We are living in the time of judgment, okay? We are being judged by God every single day of our lives. Now, let us notice how God introduces himself to this church. How does he do that? The Bible says there, um, he introduces himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and also the beginning of the creation of God. Now, why does Jesus introduce himself in this way? Well, let's look at each aspect closely. Let's look at the Amen first. Now, what is the word amen used for? You know, many times we use amen to finish something, right? We say amen at the end of our prayers. 
we say amen when someone gives a praise, right? Or when they share something um, that God has done, okay? Now, the word amen is just a way of saying, so be it, right? Or, or let it be done. It's used to finish something. So the fact that Jesus introduces himself as the amen, it signifies that Jesus wants to finish his work with this church. He wants to finish his work with the church of Laodicea. He wants to finish the work with us. Now, how about the faithful and true witness? What does the Bible say about a faithful and also a true witness? Let's go to, the, um, to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 5. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 5, the Bible says, A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. You see, the Bible says that a faithful witness, what will he not do? He will not lie. You see, Jesus wants this church to know that everything he is about to tell them is the truth. He will not lie to them. Let's also go to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 25. The Bible says, A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. What else does a true witness do? They deliver souls. You see, Jesus wants this church to know that he wants to deliver their souls. Jesus is in the business of delivering souls, and he wants this church to know just that. Now let's look at the next aspect of the introduction of Jesus. He introduces himself as the beginning of the creation of God. Now what does that represent? Okay, many Christians, they use this, this phrase to say that, you see, Jesus was a created being because he was the beginning of the creation of God. But if you look at the original meaning of the word beginning, it just means the origin. Okay, so this is just telling us that creation originated with Christ. It does not mean that Christ was the first thing created. It just tells us that creation began through Christ. He was the originator of creation. And the Bible proves this. Let's go to John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. This is what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ was the creator. He was the originator of everything. But why did Christ have to introduce himself as the creator? What was going on in the church at this time? Now, around 1844, we see the first instance of the philosophy of evolution being brought out. People started believing in evolution during this time. And therefore, Jesus, he needed to introduce himself as the creator because he knew that the church would face this problem. And friends, this is the problem that we face today as well, right? We have so many people believing in the theory of evolution. And today we need to remember that Christ is the creator. We need to share about creation and about Jesus being the creator. Also, when we look at creation, there are two things that God instituted at creation. 
Okay, number one, God instituted marriage and also he instituted the Sabbath. And today we see problems not only with the Sabbath, but also with marriage. You see, one of the ways that we can profess that Christ is the creator today in our lives is number one, by keeping the Sabbath, right? By acknowledging that God created everything in six literal days and by keeping the Sabbath, you see? And also, it's in the way that we honor marriage, right? For, for married couples, how do they, um, you know, how do they profess or how do they show that, that Christ is the creator? It's by truly honoring marriage because marriage was something that was instituted by God at creation. And these were things that were being attacked at that time, Sabbath and also marriage. But what was the problem with this church? What was the issue with the church of Laodicea? Let's continue in verse 6, Revelation, sorry, verse 15, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. This is what the Bible says. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. Now Christ told this church that they are neither hot nor cold. In other words, this church is lukewarm. Now, what does it mean to be lukewarm? What causes a Christian from, uh, you know, from being hot to eventually becoming cold? What causes a Christian to go through that experience? Let's see what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. This is what the Bible says. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You see, to be lukewarm is to be void of love. And the reason why someone would be void of love is because they are practicing iniquity. They are continuing in their sins. So you see, to be lukewarm is not to be fully filled with the love of Christ in our hearts. Now, why does, it, why does Jesus say that he would want us to be rather hot or cold? Now, we can understand hot, right? He wants us to be hot and on fire for him. He wants us to be filled with his love. But why does he want us to be cold? You see, if we are cold, it is easy for us to understand our condition. We can understand our needs and we can go to Christ. But if we are lukewarm, it is very hard for us to understand our condition. Very hard for us to realize our needs. And that's why Jesus says to this church, Jesus says to us, I would that thou, thou were hot or cold. Now, what is the result of not being filled with God's love. What happens to our lives when we are not filled with the love of God? Notice what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. The Bible says, And be he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. You see, the Bible tells us that God is love. The church of Laodicea, because they are not filled with love in their hearts, they are not representing the character of God in their lives. Let's also go to Romans chapter 13 and verse 10. The Bible says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see, love is the fulfillment of the law. This church, this church of Laodicea, is in transgression. They are in sin because they do not keep God's law. They are not keeping the commandments of God. 
Let's also go to Romans 7 verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. You see, because they are not keeping God's law, this church is not having this experience of being holy, and just, and good. They are lacking that experience, that experience of being sanctified and transformed. Well, let's go to one more. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. You see, friends, the work of the Holy Spirit is to put the law of God in our lives, right? In our hearts and also in our minds. And because the church were not keeping God's law, they were in sin. Really, they were lacking the Holy Spirit. They were lacking the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were not experiencing sanctification in their lives. So this was the problem with the church of Laodicea. They were lukewarm. They, had no, they did not have God's love in their lives, in their hearts. They were not keeping God's law and they were continuing in sin. And they did not realize their condition. Let's continue. Let's go to verse 16 of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. What does Christ tell this church? He told them that He would spew them out of His mouth. You see, this signifies rejection, right? It's something that God does not want and He rejects it. You see, there will come a time that Christ will no longer intercede for us, right? There will come a time that God will reject us. And what will cause God to reject us? if we continue in our lukewarmness, if we continue not having the love of God in our lives, if we continue in our sin and, and not realizing our condition. Right? Christ is interceding for us, even right now in the holy sanctuary up, up above, in the heavenly sanctuary. But there will come a time that Christ will reject us if we do not repent from our lukewarmness. Remember in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, Christ told us that He will confess our names before the Father and before the angels. But if we are in a lukewarm state, Jesus will no longer confess our names, right? He will reject us. But what else were the issues of the church? Let's continue to verse 17. The Bible says, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Now, the, the Bible lists um, a few things that this church struggles with, right? A few issues of the church. Now, let's look at each one closely. Let's look at the first one. Okay, the first one is that this church says, that I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. So you see, this church claims that they are rich, and they, they don't need anything. Now, this can be referring to literal riches, but it can also refer to being rich in faith 
as it says in James chapter 2 and verse 5. You see, the Laodicean church believes that they are living a life of faith. They believe that they are truly having faith and living by faith. But what else okay, does it mean to be rich? Notice what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18. The Bible says this, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. You see, we can also be rich when we are doing good works. So not only does the church of Laodicea think that they are living by faith, they also think that they have good works. But in reality, they don't. And because this church believes that they are living by faith and they are having good works, they don't see their spiritual condition. They are blinded by their spiritual condition. They think that they're okay. They think that Christ is with them. They think that they are truly living the, the life that Christ wants them to live. But they are truly blinded. And friends, this is the same for us today. Many of us, we are deceived as, as to our actual condition. Right? We go to church. We do all the things that a Christian does, reading the Bible, teaching the Bible, right? doing good for the poor, doing all these good works. And maybe we think that we are living by faith. We think that we are having good works. But perhaps we don't realize our true spiritual condition. And what are those conditions? What are those conditions that, you know, perhaps we don't realize uh, about ourselves? Well, let's continue. Let's see what else the Bible says. There in verse 17, it also says that this church is wretched and miserable. Now, what does it mean to be wretched. Let's see what the Bible says in Romans 7 verse 24. This is what the Bible says. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? So what does it mean to be a wretched man? From this verse, it shows us that it means to not have victory over sin. You see, the church of Laodicea does not experience true victory over sin. You see, many of us today, right, we also struggle with this. I can say that many of us, we don't have victory over sin. We may have the theory of truth. We may read the Bible, we may go to church, but we are still living in sin. And why is that? You see, many of us think that we, um, you know, the reason why we don't have victory over sin is because we think that we can, we can keep our sins while also walking with Christ, right? We think or we believe that we will keep sinning until Jesus comes. And so we hold on to our sins, not willing to let them go. Lying to ourselves that, you know, it's just natural for us to sin until Jesus comes. We keep falling into sin and we just tell ourselves that that is the natural process of being Christians. But Christ is telling us today that if we are not having victory over sin, that truly we are wretched. We are miserable. Now, the Bible also says that this, that this church is poor. What does it mean to be poor? Well, it's the opposite of being rich. If being rich means to have uh, faith and to also do good works, to be poor means to not have faith and to not have any good works. 
So you see, this church, they think that they are living a life of faith. They think that they are producing good works, but Christ tells them that, you know what, actually you are poor. You have no faith. You think you have good works, but you don't. Christ is telling them that they are actually spiritually poor. Now, Christ also tells them that they are blind. Now, what does it mean to be spiritually blind? What does it mean that the church of Laodicea is blind? Well, let's go to a few Bible verses. Let's go to Luke chapter 12 and verse 56. The Bible says, Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? You see, the Bible says that being blind is having no discernment, right? Having no discernment of the times that we are living in, right? And many of us, we struggle with this, right? We, 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 even though there are signs uh, you know, happening around us, signs that show that Jesus is coming soon, we don't realize that. We think that, oh, there's still so much time. Oh, I can still do whatever I want, right? Not realizing that time is so short and that Jesus truly is coming. But how do we know that time is short? We need to be students of prophecy, right? We need to understand where we are in this earth's history. So we need to study the Bible, especially the prophecies. We need to be so acquainted um, with the books of Daniel and Revelation. We need to study it. We need to teach it, right? We need to be, we must not be blind as to the times that we are living in. But let's go to one more. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. The Bible says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You see, those who are able to digest the solid word of God are able to discern good and evil. Right? Being, uh, not being blind means to be able to discern between good and evil. The church of Laodicea, they cannot discern between good and evil. Why? Because they do not digest the Word of God. Friends, today we need to digest the Word of God. We need to be constantly studying the Scriptures to, to understand what it says. We need to have that spiritual discernment that we can tell what is right and what is wrong. We can be able to call out sin by its right name. But let's continue. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-9. through 9. The Bible says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if this, these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall, be neither, ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You see, friends, an another, um, what does it mean to be blind here based on these verses? It means to not have, it means to lack those things mentioned there in this verse. But it also means to forget that we were purged from our own sins, right? And so therefore we continue 
in our sins. Right? We, we forget that Christ has given us a new life. Christ has forgiven us. Right? Christ has transformed us. He's given us the grace to live a new life, but we forget that. And so we continue in our sin. And this is the general experience of the Church of Laodicea. This is the problem that we have in our churches today. But let's look at the last one. Lastly, Christ told this church that they are also naked. Now, what does it mean to be naked? Let's go to a few Bible verses. Let's go to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. The Bible says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. You see, to be naked is to be without a garment. Now, what garment is this referring to? Let's go to Revelation chapter 19 and verse 8. The Bible says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. You see, the white garment is the righteousness of the saints, right? To not have the garment means to not have the righteousness of the saints. But what is the righteousness of the saints? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 6. The Bible says, In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. You see, the righteousness of saints is really the righteousness of Christ. This church does not have the righteousness of Christ in their lives. They are not covered with the righteousness of Christ. You know, when we think of nakedness, the first time that we see nakedness in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10, right? That's when Adam and Eve sinned and they realized that they were naked, right? So when we sin, we lose the righteousness of Christ and we are actually naked. Now, what else is nakedness connected to? Let's go to Genesis chapter 9, verse 21. The Bible says, speaking of Noah, And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. You see, Noah was naked. Why? Because he was drunk with wine. You see, in the last days, the wine of Babylon will be offered to the whole world. And in the Bible, wine is a symbol of false doctrines. And this tells us that in the church of Laodicea, there were some people that were drunk with the wine of Babylon, and therefore they were naked. Friends, we must be so careful that we are not accepting false doctrines into our lives today. We must make sure that we know the Bible, we know what the Bible says, we are studying the truth, and that we are not being drunk with the wine of Babylon that causes us to be naked. But let's go to one more. Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. You see, the Israelites, they were naked when they were worshiping the golden calf. Right? And when they were worshiping, what were they doing? They were dancing to music. They were singing. They were worshiping the golden calf. You see, in our churches today, friends, we see this happening. How? 
we have a lot of singing and dancing in our churches today. And what do we call that? We call that CCM, or Contemporary Christian Music. Many of our churches today, we have allowed this music to creep into the church, right? We have caused our churches to be rock concerts instead of a place where we can truly worship God. Right? And we sing and we dance and we enjoy the music and we think that we are having such a high experience. But truly, we are just naked. Right? We are worshipping something other than God. Right? To be naked means to, to you know, focus our minds and our hearts on that which is of the world and not of Christ. And how do, we, how do our churches do that today? It's by allowing all these um, so-called Christian music to come into the church. Friends, music plays a huge role in our churches today. And we have to be so careful as to the music that we are listening to. The music that we allow our young people to, to listen to. The music that we allow for worship. Because the music that we choose to listen to can cause us to be spiritually naked today. But let's go to our last one, Luke 8 verse 27, as we continue to look at the topic of um, naked, nakedness. The Bible says, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. You see, the demon-possessed man, he was naked. Many among the Laodiceans today, right? Many among us in our churches today, we are demon-possessed. Whether we want to uh, admit it or not, whether we realize it or not, many of us are demon-possessed, right? We are filled with devils, and this causes us to be spiritually naked, right? This is our conditions. This is our condition today. Right? Many of us, we, we allow things into our lives. We, we do things that invite the devil to come in. Right? Many of us, we are truly living for the devil and not for God. Right? And, and how do we do that? Right? Different things. By the, the things we eat, um, you know, the, the movies we watch, the games we play, the music we listen to, the friends we hang out with. Right? And the list goes on and on. But friends, many of us today don't realize that we are truly giving our lives to the devil, right? We are truly living for the devil and not for God. And that causes us to be naked, right? Because we lose the righteousness of Christ. Christ no longer dwells in us, but the devils dwell in us. And you see, friends, today we may think that we are okay, right? We may think that just because we have the truth, we, we, we are in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, we may think that, you know, I'm okay, Right? I, I truly am. I, I, I don't, um, I'm not in a different church. I have all the truth. I, I don't follow any false doctrines. You know, we may think that we are living by faith. We're having good works. We may think that we are reflecting the character of Christ. But really, we are not. Many of us are actually blind to our spiritual condition. Right? Many of us, we are actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Many of us, we don't experience victory over sin. We don't have good works. We do not live by faith. We, we cannot discern between good and evil. We're blind 
to our condition. Many of us, we lack the righteousness of God. See, we may go to church, we may give our tithes, we may do good things to the community around us. We think we're okay. We think we're living the Christian life. But what is our spiritual condition? See, the question that we need to reflect on today is this. Are we having victory over the sins in our lives? Do I have the righteousness of Christ in me? Am I aware of my true spiritual condition? Or do I think that I'm okay and have need of nothing? Friends, do we realize that we are lukewarm today? Do we realize our need for Jesus? Because if we don't, then truly we are deceiving ourselves and we are poor, blind, wretched, miserable, naked. But what is the solution? We've talked a lot about the problems, but what is the solution for us today? Well, let's go to verse 18. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. So Christ told them to buy these things from them, right? And he, and he lists three different things. Now let's look at the first one. Let's look at the gold tried in the fire. What does this represent? What is the gold that has been tried in the fire? Let's go to 1 Peter 1.7. The Bible says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So what does the gold represent? It represents faith that has been refined. It's a faith that has been purified. It's a perfect faith, right? It's a faith that has endured trials. And Christ is telling us today that we need this faith. The first solution for the lukewarm Laodicea is we need faith. We need to be strengthened in our faith. We need to be purified in our faith. We need to have the faith of Jesus today. Let's continue. The second thing that we need is the white raiment. Now, what does that represent? We kind of looked at this, but let's go there again. Revelation 19 verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So what does it represent? It represents the righteousness of Christ. It is only through the righteousness of Christ that we can be cleansed from sin, that we can be made perfect today. And when you combine that, when you combine the gold, which is faith, and the white raiment, which, which is righteousness. Friends, that is simply righteousness by faith. We need to experience righteousness by faith in our lives today. We need the righteousness of Christ. We need to stop relying on self-righteousness, but we need to rely, to rely on the righteousness of Christ. But let's continue. The last thing that Christ told them to buy was the eye self. Now, what does the eye self represent? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 23. The Bible says, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and clean. You see, to have the eye self means to be able to discern between the clean 
and the unclean. This church, remember, they are blind and they need eye salve so that they can have spiritual discernment. Now, how can we have spiritual discernment today? Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. Before time in Israel, um, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. You see, a prophet was called a seer. And a prophet was given to help discern between good and evil. The reason why we are able to discern good and evil today is because we have the prophets. And where do we read about the prophets? It's in the Bible. It's in the spirit of prophecy, which are the writings of the prophets. So this is what it means to have the eye cell. Well, let's go to John chapter 9, verses 10 and 17. The Bible says, Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? Verse 17, They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. You see, Jesus, he healed the blind man. And, and when the Pharisees came to him and asked him, How were you healed? They said, they, He answered the Pharisees by saying that the prophet opened his eyes so that he could see. You see, the problem with our church today is that we are spiritually, spiritually blind and the prophet is the one who we, we need the prophet to help us see. Right? And today, God has indeed provided for our church a prophet to help us see. Yes, we have the Bible and all the prophets are in there, but there is a specific prophet that God has given us for our church in this time. Yes, her name is Ellen G. White. You see, sadly, many in our churches today don't believe in Ellen White as a prophet. You know, they get angry when we quote Ellen White. Right? They get angry when we speak of her, when we, we, we bring out her writings. But Ellen White is a prophet sent by God. Her writings are inspired by God. And today, God has given us Ellen White and her writings to help lead and guide us as we prepare for His coming. And friends, today we must accept her as a prophet in our church, right? This is one of the characteristics of the remnant church. We have the spirit of prophecy. We must accept Ellen White as a God-given prophet for a time. But how do we accept her? It's not only by professing, it's by actually reading and accepting her writings, right? We must cherish the writings that, that we have that come from Ellen White. We must read and allow her writings to truly help us and, and change us and transform us as we read her writings along with the Bible, right? We must practice and apply the things that we have learned. We need the prophet to help us, to guide us today. And today God has given us the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, and we must make sure that we are saturating our minds into these this writings, into these books. So as we recap, we need the faith of Jesus. We need the righteousness of Jesus. And we need the Bible and spirit of prophecy to cure our lukewarmness today. This is the solution for lukewarm Laodicea. And this is what we need to do, friends. We need to have faith. We need to grow in faith. We need to ask Jesus to give us his righteousness. And we need to truly spend time in his word and in the spirit of prophecy. Now, how can we get these things? The Bible says that we need to buy, okay? Now, we can't earn it. 
There's nothing we can do to earn these things. We need to exchange it. And what do we need to exchange it with? Our sins. But what must take place first before we can exchange these things? We must have self-realization. If we don't realize our sins, how can we change? Right? It's when we realize our sin and our condition that we will come to Jesus. And if people don't realize their sin, how can they change? Right? So we must point to people their sins. First, we need to change. We need to realize the condition and we need to change. And then we must help others to change as well. Right? And then we can go to Jesus and exchange our sin for His righteousness, His faith, and to accept His word in our lives. But let's go to verse 19 as we continue. Revelation 3 verse 19, the Bible says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. You see, something we need to understand is love includes chastisement and rebuke. God rebukes us because He truly loves us. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 7. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Verses 11 and 12, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of His correction. For whom the Lord loveth, He correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom He delighteth. You see, friends, we must not think that we are smarter than God, because we are not. See, God will correct us of our wrongdoings. As God shows us our mistakes and faults through His Word, we must be willing to accept them and change. You see, Christ is telling us today to repent. He's telling us that we need to overcome our lukewarm state. We need to be hot Christians for Him today, right? He's telling us to overcome our lukewarmness. But let's go to the last verse of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. See, friends, Christ is telling us today that He is standing at the door of our hearts and He is knocking. Christ is standing outside our hearts today and He wants to come in. He wants to dwell in our hearts today. But what does it mean to have Christ in our hearts today? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Bible says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of, his, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, friends, if Christ is not in our hearts, then we are not reflecting His glory. We are not reflecting His character. And Christ wants to dwell in us so that we can reflect His character today. Let's also go to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Christ wants to live in us. But what does it take? We need to be crucified. We need to carry our own cross. Friends, it takes sacrifice. You see, sometimes the things we like 
are the things that causes us to sin, right? And those are the things that we need to give up. There are crosses for us to carry. But first, we need to be willing to open the door and allow Jesus to come into our hearts. You see, Christ wants us to hear His voice. And how do we hear His voice? It's through His Word, right? Christ is knocking on the door of our hearts through His Word. So we need to spend time in His Word. We need to hear Jesus speaking to us. And Christ says that He wants to sup with us. He wants to spend fellowship and quality time with us. He wants to go in intimacy with us. You see, it's very possible today that we, we hear God's voice speaking to our hearts, but we choose not to open the door. We don't allow Him to come in, and we're not spending that quality time with Jesus today. Friends, we need to grow in intimacy with Jesus every single day of our lives. Now, what is the promise to us today? Let's go to verse 21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. See, friends, Christ is telling us to overcome. He's telling us to overcome our lukewarm state, right? And what does it mean to overcome? It means to have spiritual discernment. It means to have the righteousness of Christ. It means to have victory over sin. But how are we to overcome? It's there in that verse, verse 21. It's, all, it's just as Christ overcame. Christ put himself as an example as to how we are to overcome. And how did Jesus overcome? The Bible says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, Christ is the example. He was tempted in all points, yet he was without sin. And today, the way that we can overcome is through Christ. Friends, this is something that we cannot do on our own. We must allow Christ to come into our lives. We must ask Him for help. We must overcome through the grace and the righteousness of Christ. You see, as we come closer to the end of time, Christ is looking and waiting for us, His people, to reflect His character to the world. You see, He wants us to realize that we are living in the time of judgment and the time is really short. And He wants us to overcome sin. He wants us to be perfect in our lives. Yes, Christ is waiting for us so that He can come and take us home. But like I said, we cannot overcome sin on our own. We cannot achieve perfection on our own. And so I'm not saying that we need to work for our righteousness. What I'm saying is that we need to go to Christ today because it is only through Christ that we can find victory over sin. And this is the promise that Christ is giving us today. Christ has overcome sin. Christ is perfect. And today, Christ is knocking on the door of our hearts, just wanting to come in, just wanting to help, just wanting to give us victory. He is inviting us to achieve and to receive the perfect life, which only He can give today. So friends, you know, we are, as we look at all the churches, right? Yes, every church, um, is relevant to us, right? Every church represents us, but truly we are the church 
of Laodicea. We are lukewarm, even though we are living in the time of judgment. And today Christ is knocking on the door of our hearts. So my appeal to all of us is that let us not tarry anymore, but let us today open the door of our hearts to Him. Let us realize our condition. Let us realize our helplessness. Let us desire to have a perfect life, a life where we have victory over sin. And let us go to Jesus. Let us invite Him into our lives so that He can give us just that. Friends, Christ is coming soon. And He truly wants us to to live a life that is perfect in Him. And He's just waiting for us to open the door to Him. So won't you do that today, friends? Won't you invite Him into your hearts? Won't you make the decision that you will go to Jesus and ask Him for His righteousness, His grace, and His strength today? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you so much for speaking to our hearts today. Lord, indeed, we are the Church of Laodicea. We are living in a time of judgment, and many of us, we don't realize that we are truly living in this time. We, we don't realize that the coming of Christ is so soon, and we're still living in sin. We're still lukewarm, but I pray that today you would help us to realize our condition. Help us to hear your voice speaking to us. Help us to hear um, your knock on the door of our hearts. And I pray that you would help each one of us to open the door to you. Lord, we want to live a perfect life. We want to have victory over sin, but we cannot do this on our own. And so we pray that you would help us. Help each one, Lord, that has heard this message to truly make the decision to allow you to come into their life and into their hearts today. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless us, that you would continue to guide us. And I pray that you would truly help us to begin to experience a change and a transformation in our lives. May we be cured from, from our lukewarmness so we can finish this work, we can hasten your coming, and we can truly go home. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.